0: Howdy doody little buckaroo, to you like animals, we sure do. So come on down to the weekly meeting of the Animal Fan Club.
1: Cuckoo, cuckoo. The cuckoo clock is proclaiming that it's creature o'clock. So ring that buzzer, it sounds like a lion's roar, and open the door to join us for the third meeting of the Animal Fan Club.
0: I'm friend of Toto Mike.
1: And I'm Beanie Copter Meredith.
0: We meet every week at our clubhouse we like to call the Dalmatian Station. Talk about our favorite animals.
1: When we lack an expertise, we make up for an unbridled enthusiasm, a childlike wonder.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) So saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom animalia. Good day, Mike.
0: Hey there, Meredith. So wait, what are you again? (laughs) You're... (laughs)
1: <laughs> the Beanie Copter Meredith.
0: Beanie Copter Meredith. What's a Beanie Copter?
1: You know those um, hats? I feel like you'd see little kids in like the fifties where them and has a little propeller on the top.
0: I do know those hats.
1: So, um, in keeping with the animal theme, there was this. Did you ever see the South Park? And I forget what the context was of the episode, but they were like playing this video. They wanted to play a video for the school. It was like dogs with wide-angle lens, uh-huh. and they do like a like a. Um, spoof of like yakety sacks so it's like yakety sacks but just like the pitches are rearranged and it's just pictures of dogs with a wide angle lens and one of the dogs is wearing a beanie copter (laughs) and it's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world
0: that all adds up
1: yeah so that was an image that popped in my head today and i was like Beanie Copter. Which <laughs> one is the
0: Academy sax? Isn't it that like... <laughs>
1: and actually it's um, that record that's right over there. Oh. <laughs> it's very much on that record. Oh, wow. I think it's like literally on our record player right now. Oh,
0: that's a preset. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it would make sense that it's on your record player right now.
1: I'm very predictable.
0: All that completely adds up. Yes. Well, it's great to be back with you at in the Dalmatian station.
1: Yes, I love the Dalmatian station.
0: Um I've had a pretty I've had a pretty good week. I don't know if you've had it. It's it's been a it's been mostly animal free though.
1: I'm really I feel like I had all of these animal things that I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about this. I need to start writing them down on my phone. I did I did have a pigeon convert though.
0: The you brought somebody over to the dark side?
1: I did. She literally texted me a pigeon picture today and she was like I feel less bad about pigeons after talking to you about it.
0: I have to say that I saw a few like really pretty pigeons the other Mm -hmm. day. I forget where I was. I think I was, I think I was like downtown. It's kind of like, you know, there's some pretty birds down there. There There's some parks, you know? Yeah. They're harbor creatures.
1: Yeah, those harbor creatures. Yeah, I saw, oh man, I've been riding my bike up the, um, Hudson river greenway lately and watching seagulls try to fight against the wind is hilarious because they are such dominating presences. So to see them kind of be taken aback by the force of nature. Right. And like not be able to do what they want to do is so funny to me. Yeah. Take that dick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Seagulls are kind of dicks. They are. They will steal your pizza. They will steal really anything they want right out of your hand. Ice cream cones.
0: See, that's kind of how I feel about pigeons, though. But I guess this is the, like, you know, I I don't know. Whatever. I don't want to get into this. So you're (laughs) pro-pigeon, anti-seagull is pretty much what you're trying to say.
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, I could could be swayed to the seagull side, but I'm not there yet. I have not met that Jehovah's Witness for seagulls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard the good news about seagulls?
1: (laughs) Uh, No, I have not, in fact.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me neither.
1: Well... Should we just get into it?
0: I think we probably should. Yeah. Um, I guess we should do our taxonomy cheer, huh?
1: Yeah, ready? Okay. Yeah.
0: Taxana you. Taxana we. Taxana who?
1: Taxana me. Kingdom. Inamalia. It's what we're here for. Phylum. Chordata. We're talking vertebrae.
0: Class.
1: Mammalia. Summer furry. Order. Carnivora. Flesh, it's what's for dinner. Family. Odo Benidae, Only one species. Genus. Odo Benis. Wait for it.
0: Species.
1: Odo Benis Rose Morris. It's tusk time. Walrus. Are you ready for tusk time, Mike? I am.
0: My mustache has never been longer, and I'm going to find something to put in my lips to <laughs> imitate tusks. <laughs>
1: Do you want these shitty pencils?
0: Wait, I have my own. I have my pencil case right over here. Hang on.
1: Okay, good. I'm glad I get a visual yeah, for this. Yeah, you do.
0: One's going to be red and one's going to be black. Is that okay?
1: Ooh, that's some, like metal walrus. Yeah. Right, I like it. Oh, yes, this is great. And, <laughs> and
0: then don't I have to like <laughs> bark and like clap my hands?
1: Oh, I think they're too big they to do or, that. But oh. this is a good segue because they are related to seals. What I was sad I didn't get to do in the taxonomy cheer was this other designation this taxonomical rank called clade mm-hmm. and i'm not entirely sure what that means or represents but i was really sad i didn't get to go into what pinnipedia are
0: pinnipedia
1: pinnipedia and they're fin-footed mammals so there's um seals and sea lions um and then walry <laughs> i think it's just walruses Wha-
0: I'll go with walrus. I
1: like walrus. Um
0: now this was this was between order and family, is that right? Yes. Clade. Clade. Okay. It's like a subdiv there I I am going to talk about this later, but there are like so many further there's like superfamilies and infra orders, yeah. like there's so many more classifications within taxonomy that yeah, we haven't touched on.
1: Exactly. Or there's like in the case of the walrus, it's interesting. Um I like how this has organically come about because when I was doing, say, for the Stingray, for instance. The it, Stingery? The Stingery. The New Ireland Stingery. Grandpa's favorite. Malio battle form.
0: It's related to sharks.
1: It's related to sharks. Cartilaginous fishes. See? Edutainment.
0: We yes, edutainment. This. We do.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was interesting because when I was doing the stingery it was one of so many species like i was majorly overwhelmed looking up this stuff but for walrus there's literally just the walrus but there's two subspecies one that lives in the atlantic ocean and one that lives in the pacific but it's just walrus like that's it so it's kind of nuts and made this much easier yeah well that's
0: great is this i because i've been doing a little bit of this has led me down so many, I would say rabbit holes, but like swamp rabbit nests, I guess. Yes. Is it a cosmopolitan species? As in like it, I guess it's not. If it's only in the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean, cosmopolitan means that it like lives everywhere that's habitable. So like whales um, and like aquatic animals, some of them are cosmopolitan.
1: And that just makes like sense.
0: Live everywhere.
1: It's funny, it's like kind of counterintuitive because you just imagine these like animals with very sharp, like tweed. Yeah,
0: lots of tweed. Tweed
1: dresses and like pantsuits jet setting around the world with their little like hat cases and stuff. Right. But actually, I think I said this incorrectly. So they're in the Arctic Ocean, but there's some designation between. So like some are like. I guess that would be kind of Alaska Russian region. Sure. And those are the Pacific ones, whereas the ones that are up around like Greenland Iceland area, those are the more Atlantic ones. So, if that makes sense. But they are yeah. in the Arctic Ocean.
0: Kind of like Sarah Palin and Bjork.
1: Yes. Thank you. Like those Perfect. regions. That's
0: <laughs> you're welcome.
1: Two people that could not be more different Just, in yeah, my mind. Right. That's so hilarious. <laughs>
0: they're northern. Walrus, walry are northern hemisphere. They're not southern hemisphere. Right. Okay. Right. They're
1: on top of the earth. Mm, right. So yeah. there's no like, because you know how there's like tons of penguins in Antarctica.
0: Right. On. But not in the Arctic. And yeah. like polar bears are only in the Arctic, but not the Antarctic.
1: Yes. Yes. Which
0: I learned as like a I learned from that Far Side cartoon that Gary Larson cartoon.
1: The Far Side's coming back. Did you hear that? No, it's coming back. Really?
0: Yeah, it's time for it.
1: It is time. I think I, I just saw a Far Side the other day, and I was like, "That's really funny." My brother had all the T shirts and stuff. Oh, I
0: had all the books. I would just like sit in my room, like little, you know adolescent Mike just laughing at far side cartoons all
1: day. It was also like popular toilet reading in friends' homes. There was always like a basket in people's bathrooms and there was always a far side book.
0: Yeah. I there. I only ever read shampoo bottles until I got a smartphone.
1: Same's same. Yeah. Definitely. Or I would like what else would I do? I would like pop pimples on my legs. There's a lot of that gross enough about, Can we talk about enough what about this walrus, walrus. <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> actually old male walruses they're known it's like this um secondary sexual characteristic i think but male walruses grow these like big bumps on their around their neck folds um i wasn't originally going to talk about that but i've got poppable bumps on my legs. On your
0: leg folds? On
1: my leg folds. And while I have probably not poppable bumps on their neck folds. Anyway, this is really going downhill fast. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's get back
0: to the uh, walrus at hand, I guess.
1: Yes. Flipper in hand.
0: <laughs> the walrus in flip. What was it? What is it? Flipper armed mammals? Is that the category?
1: Finn- Footed mammals.
0: Thin-footed. Let's get back to the issue at finfoot.
1: <laughs> that sounds like the battle of little pig- Big. <laughs> 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 the dilemma at finfoot.
0: The dilemma at finfoot. Okay.
1: Anyway, so I learned this new concept um, that's not completely embraced by like all of the scientific community, but while rye, are considered a keystone species in, I guess, the Arctic ecosystems. And a keystone species, like a keystone in an archway, if you remove it, everything changes. Everything falls apart. Right. So walruses are considered a keystone species that if they were not there in this ecosystem, the ecosystem would operate and it would just be completely different. So it kind of... The ecosystem of the Arctic, as we know, it is very much reliant on the walrus and other species, I'm sure. Um, And one of the reasons for this is that the way that walrui eat is they kind of, um, so they take these bristles, you know, they're very famous for their whiskers. Yes. Um, So the actual uh, technical term for whiskers, because whiskers is like super cute and whimsical. But the scientific word is vibrissae.
0: Vibrissae?
1: Yeah, you kind of hear like the bristle, like vibrissae. Yes. Yeah, hear it. Um, but so these um that adorn the adorable face of our walrus friends, they kind of root along the ocean floor and stir up um, mollusks and other bivalves. They love bivalves. They live mostly on. Bivalves. So bivalves. We're talking clams. We're talking oysters. We're talking tunicates. We're talking bivalves.
0: Tunicates. I, I. That's like a tourniquet, but for, but instead for the of the ocean floor, instead of being made <laughs> out of like uh, rubber or you know elastic, it's just made out of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> Use it if you get like they're a bad like, cut You can tie off your limb
1: I didn't look I didn't refresh my memory I should say About tunicates But I think they're like these little like um, Tubular things That live on the ocean floor
0: Gnarly I'm just excited to know about bivalves They're like yeah. clams or whatever Yeah so
1: it's like um, an enclosed thing Like no head But so essentially two shells that have a hinge hmm um,
0: like scallops and like
1: scallops, muscles, muscles, cockles. Cockles and muscles things.
0: alive, alive, oh.
1: Yes. Exactly. That bivalves. Bivalves are we. Hmm. So the um so the walrus will kind of move his very sensitive um vibrisae, which are connected to like musculature and blood vessels. So they're super, super sensitive and uh-huh. they can detect stuff. But as they're rooting around, that shoots essentially water, It allows water to kind of like turn up the sand. And so that really kind of keeps the distribution and biodiversity of these bivalves and other things that are kind of along the ocean floor. It's very good for it. So you kind of think of it as like rototilling the soil Oh, sure. in a sense, it's always kind of keeping it fresh. So that's one of the ways, cause you can imagine like, yeah, the wall are eating this stuff, but they're also continually upturning it and kind of keeping this, Ecosystem of the ocean floor, fresh.
0: That's like that's really interesting. Yeah, that it's it's the like a side effect of their but Yeah, <laughs> is is because that's how they sense the food, and then yeah. the side effect of them sensing the food is that they're like tossle it a, around a bit. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, which actually is really good to promote biodiversity down there. So that's probably. I mean, that's not the only way that they're a keystone species, but it's probably a big part of it. Mm. Um. And I just thought that was really cool, you know, this idea of the keystone species. Yeah. I kind of want to look up more of them. I know in the Wikipedia article I read, they were talking like jaguars or some. There's a lot of apex predators are actually keystone species. So um, one thing I did hear once is that with like birds of prey, that if you live in a place, um, say like my mom's backyard, there's always hawks, which means that there's a good ecosystem going or the biodiversity is good because if you can have something that can support an apex predator somebody at the very very top of the food chain then all the other systems are for the most part in place oh all the building blocks to the top of the pyramid right so yeah so it's good to see apex predators around for better or worse because it means the ecosystem can support them
0: sure because they're eating like so much they're just to sustain them takes so much meat.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, this concept of the keystone species comes under criticism, obviously, as things like this do, for just being an oversimplification of how complex ecosystems are. Very complex. So I understand that. But I was just excited to hear about this concept. because It's something I think we understand, but I just didn't know how to name. Yeah. Right.
0: And a fun name, too. Keystone.
1: Keystone. Like Keystone Cops. Just Um. like the
0: Keystone Cops. (laughs) Isn't there a A shitty college beer brand. Keystone.
1: Oh, my God. I love college beer brand. That's a funny concept. I mean, oh, we all know it. Natty Light, Labatt's.
0: (laughs) Labatt's. I had a teacher that would get a Labatt's whenever we went out. He would order two because he didn't want to have to wait to order the second one. So he would just order two of them at once. I
1: think about that all the time because I remember you telling me that a while ago. Oh, yeah. And I always think about that.
0: Yeah, he's a groovy dude.
1: Yeah, he is a groovy dude. He had a sweet stash, speaking of face whiskers.
0: Yeah, he had great facial hair. I think of him every time I hit a cymbal and like leave the stick on it or like leave <laughs> the mallet on it to like kind of like control like how it's vibrating. Because I remember seeing him do do that and I was just like, that's the best idea ever. <laughs> I totally stole it from him and I do it like all the time, you know. Because sometimes you want that sound but then you want to like taper it out. So yeah. So you just like kind of put the just kind of just put the stick on it. Yeah, you know, works better with a mallet, but like
1: yeah, you know, that does make sense. Definitely done it with a drumstick. Apex percussion here, everybody. Oh, that's probably a thing, isn't it? Apex percussion.
0: I don't know. I'm sure I'm not up to date on like what all the latest trios are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I bet they're out there. Yeah. What's up, Apex Percussion? <laughs> we here at Animal Fan Club support you. Yeah. Keep <laughs> keep, keep shedding those.
0: I don't know, paradiddles or whatever.
1: Oh, my God. This was very wandery. It's okay. Yeah. Back to tusks. <laughs> um, Take me back to tusks. <laughs> 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 Tusk. Tusk. You're wearing a Fleetwood Mac shirt. I am wearing
0: a Fleetwood Mac shirt.
1: Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it.
0: <laughs> we nailed it. We
1: did nail it. We got Boots Randolph on the record player. we uh, got Fleetwood Mac on your chest.
0: That was my big dance performance debut was um, appearing as uh, part of a dance ensemble at the Night of a Thousand Stevies.
1: I had a it, friend for, that went to Night of for, a Thousand Stevies. Yeah,
0: yes. it was for Tusk. Yes. I like totally, you know, for somebody that's been on stage a lot, like I just, you know, all of a sudden I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know,
0: definitely missed my cue, you know. It's,
1: yeah, it's real. You don't even want to know how many times we had to record that taxonomy cheer. Yeah. Speaking of missing <laughs> was, stage fright is real. Stage fright's totally real. You just got to do it though. Yeah. You know what else is real? What
0: else is real, Meredith?
1: Wal-Rye existing on this earth for 20 to 30 years individually. Oh. Yeah, they've got a pretty long lifespan. Yeah. Yeah, and they're big guys. Like the Atlantic ones. No, the Pacific ones. Um, The males can be up to over two tons.
0: (laughs) That's a a chonky apex predator. (laughs)
1: That That is the chonkiest of the chonky animals.
0: That's just a. That's two tons.
1: Yeah. So four thousand. I think one. The number was. Um. I think the heaviest one that they've measured was four thousand four hundred pounds.
0: Okay. Few questions. Yes. First of <laughs> all, where's the scale? Where's the walrus scale? I. Don't... And my second question is, how do you get the walrus on the walrus scale? <laughs>
1: You taunt it with a lot of bivalves, buckets and buckets of bivalves. I don't know. I don't know this information. I'm sorry. I'll get back to you.
0: I also feel like when I order bivalves at my local...
1: Bivalvery?
0: S- yeah, bivalve emporium. <laughs> that, um, you know, I'm, I don't quite weigh two tons but I never feel like a typical like order of bivalves is enough for me to feel like I'm growing. You yeah. know what I mean? If anything else, I'm like, maybe, you know, I need some sort of like starch moment. Yeah. So I guess I'm just, again, respect to the walrus, you know,
1: <laughs> Keystone species, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I right? You are right. <laughs> um, And then, oh yeah, I was going to talk tusks, but I just wanted oh. to say this one thing about tusks. We all know what tusks look like. Wal- walruses are, you know, pretty, it's a very salient feature of the walrus face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like this fact that the males with the thickest and longest tuk- tusks tend to dominate their social groups. No comment. No comment. And then finally, I just wanted to do a ripped from the headlines Walrus in the News. Walrus in the News. So beep 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 yeah, beep, yeah. beep beep beep, beep do, 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 do. So when I looked up walrus, I just typed it in to Google. The first thing that comes up was all of these news stories about this walrus, um, a woman walrus, a she walrus, who sank a Russian a Russian research boat, um, because it was essentially getting too close to her calves. So they get very aggressive when it comes to their young. And so uh-huh. she just like took an entire boat down. Sank it. All of the researchers were able to get to shore because it was a boat, like docking. Um, and bitch sank that boat.
0: Don't fuck with the walrus.
1: No, no.
0: Cuckoo, kachoo.
1: <laughs> I knew we'd have to get a <laughs> fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for going there. I didn't. I couldn't find a good way to work it into my presentation here, but um, thank you. You really brought that home. So sure. I think that was like a really great button for this this book report I just gave you.
0: Yeah, I learned a lot about tusks and what is what are they called?
1: V- vibrisse, 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 a.k.a. whiskers. Vibrisse. Vibrisse.
0: My friend has a pond with fish in it, and she named all of them Bruce, <laughs> and collectively they're Brice. <laughs> and Vibrisse. Reminds me of the breezes.
1: That's really cute. Isn't it? I like this person.
0: Yeah, you'd, you'd get along.
1: And that, everybody, was Walry.
0: right. Well, <laughs> let's take a break. Yes. Do you have a bushy brow?
1: Do I ever. These brows have gotten completely out of control.
0: Well, then you should download my new favorite app, Fleek Fox, an on demand eyebrow threading service in the tri state area.
1: An app for eyebrow threading? How does that even work?
0: Well, its GPS technology links you with Fleek's fleet of foxes who are flight of feet and fashion freaks. They come to you, thread your eyebrows, then scurry on to their next Fleekification. You can even schedule an appointment in advance.
1: That sounds miraculous.
0: Well, don't believe me. Read some of these testimonials.
1: Stephanie in Midtown says, Thanks, Fleek Fox. You're the best. My eyebrows have never looked better.
0: Danielle from downtown says,
1: Wow. Rudy from uptown says, oh, 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 ah,
0: ah, ah. Kelvin from the east side says,
1: Meow. from uptown says yes fleek af
0: get fleek foxes from the app store today stuffed animal memories are the best kind of memories teddy bears cows and pow puppies would you tell us please well listener should come as no surprise that both Meredith and I have extensive stuffed animal collections in our past, present, and future.
1: <laughs> no doubt, I am looking at one right now. It's a bat. <laughs> his name's Batty.
0: <laughs> Great name. <laughs> Solid. I mean, if
1: you look at that that silly face, with just his little like buck teeth, that Batty seems appropriate.
0: Yeah, he looks like a little Trigula Day. He's like,
1: Rawr. yeah, he clicks. He goes echolocation oh yeah that's for a future episode we should talk bats
0: oh yeah point. totally
1: but yeah i mean stuffed animals especially in my youth were huge huge yeah same and i actually did have a huge stuffed animal i won a big dog from PetSmart, like a sweepstakes remember the brand big dog yeah, like the, the shirts. The, the shirts. There yeah. would always be like a St. Bernard with like sunglasses, like surfing. Yeah. Or something. Like what yeah. the fuck? Who came up with Big Dog?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I remember those. That was like a weird era of t-shirts though too. There was all those golf shirts with like jokes about like balls, you know? And like,
1: Yes. It was
0: a weird era of t-shirts. The I mean, 90s.
1: Yeah, you'd always find them in some like seaside. she shed, She-shide. she-shide. <laughs> she-shide. <laughs> seaside souvenir shop. That's a tough one.
0: With seashells by the seashore. At yes. The seaside, a seaside souvenir, souvenir shop. shop.
1: Big dog. Big dog in no fear and far side t-shirts. Right. <laughs> no fear. No what
0: fear. The fuck? Now it's salt life.
1: Yes. Salt life.
0: Do you have a specific like stuffed animal story in, in mind? Because I know I do.
1: I mean, I can tell you about Henrietta Hippo.
0: Yeah. Hit me.
1: Okay. Hip me.
0: Hip me to the hippo.
1: So... There was this show, right, called The New Zoo Review, which we should talk about in depth at some point. Have you any inkling of what this is? This is far before we were born.
0: I I've, I've, We've talked about this before, but I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not
1: surprised that we've talked about this. This was a show from the 70s, and nothing has looked more 70s. It was this goofy-ass show with, like, huge animals... And it had like the best fucking theme song in the world. Like it's the new zoo review coming right at you where three delightful animals have fun with what they do. And it's like, and then they introduced them all. And one of them was Henrietta hippo. And she was just like this massive, it's probably some dude in a massive hippo costume, uh-huh. but she was like a Southern Belle, And she always has a, she'd always have a hanky that she was like flittering about, like always having the vapors and stuff. Um, but I, in elementary school, for some reason, the show was always on some, like, public access station in the morning. And I was obsessed with it. And so, one day, it was a thunderstorm. I remember this very distinctly. It was a thunderstorm. And my mom took me to this, like, gift shop called Paper Finalia, And we got, I saved up my money. And I bought this hippo stuffed animal. And I named her Henrietta. And she still to this day is like one of my favorite stuffed animals. She's so cute. She's pretty big. So she's like a great hugger. And I loved this thing. It came on like vacations. It would, like when we would take vacations, I'd have to bring like six, seven stuffed animals because I could never choose. Yeah,
0: one, like one for every meal.
1: Yes, uh, at least, at least. Because we drove everywhere. So we'd have to like- find the space to keep all these fucking stuffed animals it's so silly oh man but please life i'm on the edge of my seat i
0: mean you know me well enough that none of what i'm about to say is going to be a surprise
1: wolfgang uh,
0: well, you're thinking of wild thing wild and
1: thing i knew okay we're i'm n- sorry
0: so wild thing <laughs> we'll get to wild
1: thing. i'm sorry i know really it's mind. okay i do knew I knew- we're
0: gonna talk about pre-wild thing. before wild thing there was Noni dog. I didn't really talk to humans when I was younger and my aunt, who like now has a PhD in psychology, Aww. was like, well, maybe we'll give him a stuffed animal like a puppet. And so they gave me this little groundhog puppet. Its name was Noni Dog and Noni talked to people. I certainly did not, but Noni talked to people. And apparently Noni was very much a truth teller, <laughs> which Noni is really talks- great to imagine little quiet, like two-year-old me, three-year-old me, just like not saying a single word to anybody, but then like with the puppet Noni, like really telling you like exactly what's wrong with your life. Like it's just, it's it, it's really not hard for me to believe any of it. So Noni and I were pretty close and you know like i he would share my bed and you know all of this and i was i was young i was but a a boy and somewhere along the line on some sort of family trip uh-huh noni went missing no me i entered a extended period of grieving
1: oh that lasted gosh.
0: long enough that my mom finally was just like I don't know what to do with this like child. He's been wearing all black and like (laughs) not speaking. He's like completely devastated. Right?
1: Where did he find this eyeliner?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was was probably like four or five, maybe. I don't even know. And um, so she found out where my aunt got Noni, and she called the store, and she's like, "Hi,
1: we've got a problem. We have a
0: serious problem, and I need to know if you have this groundhog puppet." And they were like, we don't have it anymore. The person that answered the phone was like, I I know the puppet you're talking about. We don't have it anymore. We're all out. My mom's like, Well, I absolutely need to replace it. And she's like, Well, I can give you the number of the distributor that we buy it from. So she called the distribution company who put them in who put her in touch with their like regional agent who told her the list of like seven stores in the area where They had sent the, you know, Noni imposter
1: puppets
0: (laughs) and she called every single one of them and found one that was like maybe 45 minutes away from our home that had one in stock. And she said to the woman, like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I really need you to hold that behind the counter. I will be there in 43 minutes. (laughs) And she put down the phone and she ran out and she purchase the puppet
1: <laughs> left you at home with the yeah, stove on yeah left me at home
0: with the stove <laughs> on yeah just like uh, just alone and scared <laughs> and um so then a few days later like I was at home and the doorbell rang and my mom was upstairs in the office like I was on the main floor and my mom was all the way upstairs and I I I remember her saying like Mike I think it's for you and I was of course like how I don't even know and I like went to the front door, and there was Noni 2.0 affixed to the screen door, and he had a little like neon mini backpack keychain thing on. Oh, um, with uh, it was a new Kids on the Block <laughs> branded, and it, he had a note about how he had gone on some sort of adventure or journey or whatever, and um, yada yada yada. And the thing is, is that like I kind of knew because. No, the original Noni had gone through the washer so many times that his eyes were all scraped up and yeah. Noni 2.0, his eyes were kind of like not scraped up. And I <laughs> have a foggy memory of like asking about that. And my mom and sister just being like, no, it's definitely the same puppet, you know? And I bought it cause I was a child. Yeah. And you know, I didn't yet know that you could be lied to, no, oh, especially about such things as Noni. And like low, you know, the eyeliner came off and um, <laughs> I've never needed eyeliner, Meredith. No. Who are we kidding?
1: Yeah, seriously. And I'm um, so jealous of yeah, you.
0: Maybe I'm born with it. Maybe it's. No, I'm born with it. It's genetics. And uh, and yeah. And then I, I entered a period of, of bliss until my ogre hands got so large that they could no longer like Noni could no longer fit on my hand, which is when. My the same aunt, um, teamed up with another aunt, and <laughs> um, purchased Wild Thing, the wolf, who was named after the character from the uh, movie Major League, the pitcher character, uh-huh. Wild Thing.
1: Oh That's my gosh! That's who Wild Thing is named
0: after. I don't know who Noni's named after. But yeah, Wait, I
1: think I've seen both of these. I've definitely seen Wild Thing. I think I've yeah. seen I've seen I think I've seen Noni 2.0.
0: They are quite literally in my home at this moment. And my mom at one point like well in my <laughs> 30s, my mother found out that Noni was in my possession like in my uh, you know, home, my adult home.
1: (laughs) And she was like,
0: she was so scared that something was going to happen to it. And I was like, mom, that was like 25 years ago that you like went through this whole noni journey. (laughs) And like, it's really, really great. And I don't want to lose him or for him to be lost in a fire or anything like that. But like, if Noni goes, like so goes the rest of my life. So we're gonna we're gonna stay calm about it. But yeah, Noni's yeah. still Noni's still around. I know exactly I know where he is at this exact moment.
1: Noni's still rocking.
0: Noni 2.0, that is.
1: Noni 2.0. I have to say that is like that brought tears to my eyes. That like the image of him like wearing a little backpack and that she did that for you. Yeah, it's really sweet. Yeah,
0: no, I got I got lucky. So my mom's great. And I think that I I think that Missy Neil um, who is like an older woman who lived across the street, who was as much like a grandmother to me as my grandmother. Um, I think that she participated, although I haven't ever gotten confirmation or proof of that because there was definitely a ding-dong ditch situation. Like, I was definitely <laughs> bamboozled by the ding-dong ditch.
1: Yeah, well, duh.
0: Cause my mom didn't ring the doorbell, close the screen door, walk upstairs and then be like, Mike, I think it's for you. No, no,
1: no. You had, she had help, which is also like the, the planning involved. This is really so cute. Isn't it adorable? That really, that like brought tears in my eyes. No, it's beautiful.
0: It's, it says a lot about like, like, Again, knowing me, like Pisces, Pisces Rising with like some more Pisces and then a little bit of Scorpio in there just for fun, you know, it's like
1: I've got some Scorps.
0: Yeah, like the emo like the range of emotions that I feel like in any thirty second period is yes. really fun. <laughs> and just like I can only imagine what raising that was like, you know, and I just have to say it was very well, very well managed.
1: Yes. Oh, well, for I mean, there's first the like getting you the puppet in the first place. I just have to say, like, I love the idea of like this quiet, quiet child. And then all of a sudden you've got this like this stuffed animal who has to be like bleeped out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Who's just like, your shirt's ugly.
1: <laughs> Piece of shit, motherfucker. Why do
0: you smell funny?
1: <laughs> Sass dragon, like out the gate. <laughs> so cute. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that concludes our stuffed animal journey, huh?
1: (laughs) It's a long and beautiful one. Yeah. All right. Texana you. Texana we. Texana who?
0: Texana me. Kingdom. Animalia. Every animal in the world. Phylum. Anthropoda. Invertebrates with exoskeletons. Class. Insecta. Hexapods Order Coleoptera All the beetles Family Pyridae. Fireflies Genus Botetus. Rover Arf Arf <laughs> Peralas the common eastern firefly aka the big dipper firefly What? <laughs> uh, we're doing the 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 most common firefly in North America the big dipper firefly also known as the common eastern firefly, photitas paralysis. I, cute. it's tray cute. I was very concerned about being accused of a mammal-centric focus. Yes. Um, having done two mammals previously, I also felt like Chordata was very well represented. So I wanted to go on a sort of invertebrate journey. Okay. I like
1: it. I like it.
0: And then I don't know, I was just feeling something about bioluminescence. Yeah. I think it has something to do, you know, these like kind of iridescent like like you know like the sparkly silver like things. It's like very now like that material. Yes. So I think I don't know, I was just kind of feeling it. Um the
1: original glam bugs. The original We're like in a glam moment. Seeing a lot of iridescent eyeshadow like similar to what was going on when I was in junior high. Yeah. In the late 90s
0: did you watch that show on hbo euphoria
1: Mm-mm.
0: oh there's great makeup in it i've heard yeah
1: i need to watch it yeah
0: really great makeup design with solid performances and great writing too it's a really wonderful show just you know be ready it's about it's, it's a, about drugs yeah and a bunch of other stuff <laughs> but you know what's not about drugs the big dipper firefly
1: can it also be called the drinking gourd firefly did you ever know about that song no. Follow the drinking gourd. It was a spiritual. So like the the people on the Underground Railroad would follow the drinking gourd, the Big Dipper. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, gonna, yeah. I like that because it would. Um, part of the Big Dipper is the North Star, correct?
0: Um, if, or one of the big stars. I think that if you look at like the the. Bod- like the the two stars that are the furthest away from the handle that represent like the end of the bowl yeah, moment. Yeah, the, the cup. Yeah. And you follow those two up, then you get to the North Star, I believe. Nice. Okay. As promised, here's a little taxonomy journey. So <laughs> it it just feels like it's a big jump from uh, Coleoptera which is all the beetles, to just fireflies. And the thing is, is that beetles are by far the largest order of insects. There's, it's about 40% of all insect species described so far are beetles. And we're talking 400,000 species. (gasps) Shit. It's 25% of all animals that are described are fucking beetles, man.
1: That's actually really hard to wrap my head around.
0: It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And um, so then there's a suborder uh, the polyphasia, which is the largest and most diverse suborder of beetles, over 350,000 described species, so like 90%. Uh huh. A little less than 90%
1: okay. for you
0: math nerds. <laughs> then there's an infraorder, which is uh, I, I'm really going to butcher these. Elateriformia <laughs> Elateriformia Which are Superstids and Click beetles
1: <laughs> Superstids
0: <laughs> I, I have no idea And then the super family Elateroida Which is click beetles Fireflies and soldier beetles And then we get to the family Lampyridae, which is the um, You know about 2,000 Species of fireflies
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Not all fireflies produce light. These species are usually uh, diurnal.
1: <laughs> is that like a two-seater outhouse? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but only for urination.
1: <laughs> Obviously, no, no
0: number two. Um, which means that they're day flying, and so there was um, there's a subfamily from of Lepiridae, Lepirane, which is become a sort of waste bin tox uh taxon waste bin taxon as in quotes which means that like there's further description needed within that within La and they're like working on it it's like an active thing that's happening oh um, which i think is really kind of cool cuz cuz insects are crazy i mean like like if you really like stop and think about like there are 400 thousand different types of beetles i mean like it's it's insane and i mean i don't know i guess they evolve quickly and stuff and they like change and adapt and everything so there's just still like a lot of work to be done yeah so now we're now we're down to our genus okay Photinus, okay. the rovers arf arf <laughs> they are so called because the men fly alone flashing their light organs Oh, (laughs) Do you want to hear more about the male's light organs? Duh. So it has a photic layer with light-producing cells on the ventral side. Mm. Again, these I'm telling you, the more that you read about this... It's going to
1: keep coming up. Yeah, well,
0: your vocabulary keeps expanding, you know. And then there's a layer of refractile cells on the dorsal side of the light organ. I have a photo to share with you, so you'll notice... That on the male
1: oh. over
0: here, the light organ takes up the bottom three segments of
1: yeah.
0: its body. But over here on the female, the light organ is only on the anti-penultimate segment,
1: uh-huh. yeah. which is to
0: say <laughs> the, the third, third to last. last. Yeah. There's the ultimate, which is the final. the Pen- Penultimate.
1: Pentantlement. (laughs)
0: Pentantlement. And then there's the anti-penultimate, which is Uh the one before anti, like antecedent.
1: Yes. Anti-penultimate.
0: Anti-penultimate. One of our favorite words.
1: I just, I have to get this out at some point. We used to sing a lot of like fun um, animal tunes, educational animal tunes in elementary school. And this just made me remember head thorax abdomen we're inside out no bones within so we're looking at the abdomen. yeah we're
0: looking at the abdomen that's great because there is the head and then the thorax and then the abdomen and actually while we're talking about this we'll put this on the instagram this photo that we're talking about yeah um animal fan club pod i think it's kind of crazy to look at these legs because like i feel like the rear sets of legs on the male it's just really the way that they're like situated but it reminds me of frog legs right
1: oh yeah
0: like it kind of it kind of looks like that so the common name the big Dipper firefly it comes from the j shape the male makes because the rover name is because the male flies alone so the male goes and he flies in this j shape and he starts low and he kind of like builds up some momentum and then he swings and at the apex of the J, he flashes his light organ. Oh. And then he kind of like swings back down and then he like comes back up and flashes his light organ. Meanwhile, the ladies... <laughs> ladies! Are like hanging out. They're not flying.
1: So they're just down in the grass somewhere, like in a tree.
0: Allegedly. <gasps> and the guy flashes, the male flashes his light organ every six seconds. And the lady, if she's like, feeling it, mm-hmm. she'll turn and flash her light or- organ, her lesser light organ, her Demi light organ.
1: Maxi Demi.
0: Maxi Demi. After a two second delay. And so they like communicate with these signals and that's how they like, they're like let's get frisky. And so you'll see these, you'll see all this happening around like dusk time. Yeah. Totally. You know, cause they gotta they gotta like, they gotta get down to business so they can, you know, Go no. sleep it off and get to work the next day.
1: Reap while the sun is nigh?
0: It, especially if you're diurnal, right? <laughs> so we have a new, uh, a fun new word, uh, polygenanderous, which is their mating system, and it's promiscuous. It, they, so it's this has a, a few different definitions. We'll start with the zoological definition. A pattern of mating in which two or more males mate with two or more females. It's also a form of polygamy in which two or more men share two or more wives.
1: Okay. Mormon slut bugs.
0: Yeah, Mormon slut bugs.
1: <laughs> you say, what's the term?
0: You say tomato, I say tomato. No, no. <laughs> no, uh, no
1: the, the key term we just learned there.
0: Oh, uh, polygynanderous?
1: Polygynanderous. No. You say polygynanderous. I say Mormon slut bug.
0: Works for me. <laughs> so these Mormon slut bugs, uh, <laughs> they they do this all in the summer or early fall. Okay. They smush. Mm-hmm. I don't actually exactly know how bugs do it. There was a photo of them mating and they were like butt to butt on a leaf. And I was just like, okay, we're gonna we'll get there. But a few days after mating, the the female lays her fertilized eggs like at or just below the surface of the ground. Over the season, she'll lay about 500 eggs. Wow. I know. The eggs emit a slight glow, and after about three or four weeks, they hatch, and the larvae feed until the end of the summer. The larvae are typically called glowworms.
1: Okay. Oh.
0: So these little glowworms, they hibernate over the winter. So the larvae can live for, like, a year or maybe even two. And they just kind of, like, burrow under the ground. They find, like, little chambers in the soil and stuff. And they, like, you know, hang out. They emerge in the spring. And for a couple weeks, they, like, eat insects, snails, worms, like, whatever. And then they crawl into, like, moist soil and pupate.
1: Okay. Like, for moist spring soil? Probably.
0: Yeah, they find, it's said that they find chambers in the moist soil and they pupate, as opposed to making a cocoon.
1: Oh, okay.
0: They go through a metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. It takes like ah. one to two and a half weeks. Yeah. It's, I would describe, so far, of the animals we've offered here, I would say that the firefly is the most Kafka-esque.
1: Yes, so far. The stingray, no, no, no.
0: The stingaree does kind of give it a run for its money.
1: But it's not like the stingaree is ever going to be like on its back flailing, you know, like Gregor Samsa style.
0: Whereas glowworms are definitely doing that.
1: Oh, my God. No doubt.
0: So after they're done with the larval stage, the adults only live five to 30 days.
1: Hold up. Okay, let me let me think about this timeline. So these baby babies are born into the soil. They hang out for a year underground only to arise for five to 30 days.
0: Yeah. That's why they're so into fucking.
1: There it is.
0: (laughs) They got like five to 30 days to do it. They're like, I need to find at least one other firefly. And then
1: then hook up those sister wives. (laughs) Get it done. Book of Mormon. Open. Go. Yeah. Or you also have to battle against, you know, all those kids are out there grabbing them, snatching them up, throwing them in little like bug cages. Right. But actually, I need I do have a question. So this species, a firefly, the big dipper firefly, these are the ones that we as like Ohio children would have caught in our yards. Totally. Totally get excited about totally
0: they like stay close to the ground they're easy yeah
1: it's so beautiful to look across a field in the night and you just see them just kind of like all hovering in the little various flashes yeah happening it's it's like one of the best first signs of summer
0: well you know there are some like asian species of fireflies that get into synchronous moments so they'll all flash like at (gasps) the same time they'll just kind of like they sync up
1: that's beautiful isn't it I want to see that. Of course we would have like the boring ones.
0: So so we've discussed the life cycle of fireflies from when they were just a twinkle in their mother's light organ all the way through <laughs> to their
1: They're to their twinkle
0: postcoital death. So regarding predators, most fireflies are distasteful to many like vertebrate predators. Mm-hmm. Um, Frogs. Here's a sentence that I did not write and don't know (laughs) the meaning of. Are you ready, Meredith? (laughs) Yes. This is due at least in part to a group of steroid pyrones known as leucyphagans. Yeah. The photurus, which is a genus of fireflies. It's different than the one that we're talking about, which um, is photitus. Photitus. Okay. So the uh, photurus is the femme fatale of lightning bugs in North America. So what these what these ladies do is they see these big dippers and they're just up there and they're like, do me, do me. <laughs> and they're like, I'll do you. Lures them in with a set of deceptive signals so that they can kill the male to steal the Luciferians. So that they can get that spider-repellent steroid, that <gasps> vertebrate-repellent steroid, so that they are distasteful to predators.
1: Oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. I live for this kind of stuff. Like, these weird evolutionary hacks Yeah, that animals develop. Like, you think, obviously, of, like, the butterflies that have, like, big, like, spots on their back that resemble, like, a big eye. So, like, if a predator is going for it, they're going to go for, like, what looks like the face, right? Right. But really, you'd only, like, injure, maybe injure this wing or whatever. Right. And not the actual, like, body and soul. Yeah. The, the butterfly. The
0: meat and potatoes. Right. You're going for the garnish.
1: Exactly. Like, that doesn't, who wants that? Fucking parsley? Gross. But in this case, so you've got this, like, Jezebel bug who flies in and gets this, like, repellent scent. Or is it like a pheromone? Well, it's less
0: like a Jezebel and more like a sort of assassin. She's not in it for the the thrills. She's in it to like kill him and steal his steroid. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So film fatale is probably the best way to talk about this.
0: Yeah. Like a sort of Black Widow moment.
1: Yes. Okay. So interesting.
0: So let's talk more about the fire in the pants of Fireflies.
1: Firefly STD PSA.
0: Yeah. Get tested, everybody. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. Like, wouldn't that be hot? Like, if I was carrying around a light organ, I would be concerned about it getting hot. But
1: oh, I thought you meant, like, isn't that hot? hot? I'm like, yeah, like a glowing orb in your pants. Yeah, (laughs) hot.
0: Well, not in the case of the firefly, that it is a cold light, it has no infrared nor UV frequencies. And um, they can be, you know, we know the yellow and green, a pale red. There's a blue one allegedly, but that's more about a visual effect. Huh. Uh, wavelengths of 510 to 670 nanometers. The bioluminescence aspect of this is all very interesting. It's this luciferous, see? We only recently confirmed a suspicion about how this works. And uh, there was a paper released out of Connecticut College. Bruce R. Branchini is the first author of it. Experimental support for a single electron transfer oxidation mechanism in firefly bioluminescence.
1: That's the title of the paper?
0: That's the title of the paper. So there's a super... Not the worst
1: I've heard. <laughs> right.
0: There's a superoxide an- anion, anion, anion. So what this is... Okay, there's this little it's like two oxygen molecules that's superoxide and then the anion anion means that it has one extra extra electron which gives it a negative charge okay so that is what reacts with the Lucifera luciferian lucifer <laughs> L- luciferasi luciferas that because they didn't understand. they like Chemically, it didn't make sense. They were like, there's something missing from this. And that's kind of how they worked it out, that they were like, well, this is what we think it is. And in this paper, they did the research to confirm it.
1: Wait, this Lucifer stuff, is yeah. this like a chemical? Like, what is it? Is it a... I just... I'm so inept it, scientifically.
0: It's the magic juice that gives fireflies bioluminescence.
1: So it's some... Um, Thing they possess yeah. that reacts yeah with this negatively charged
0: superoxide
1: superoxide anion 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 sail away sail away, sail away. And, yeah.
0: and then um, the other thing that I have to say is that um, there is a, a way that fireflies have helped to fight tumors and this is this is crazy. So there's this uh, type of therapy called photodynamic therapy. It's an effective treatment, and what it does is it uses bursts of light to attack the tumors. So the cancer cells are treated with a photosensitizer so that they become sensitive to light, and then they are blasted with the light, and because they're so sensitive, they die. The cancer cells die.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense.
0: So, external light sources can only get through a little bit of tissue to get to the tumor. Right. So, what if you made the tumor glow? Then it would kill itself, right? (gasps) So, they're using Firefly Lucifers. (laughs) And putting them in the tuner tumors with these like photosensitive moments. And then the tumor's like killing itself. Like from the, I mean, it's insane, right?
1: That is insane, but ingenious. Yeah. Like why not tap the resources, the, the divine abilities of these animals? Just the, the complexity of how these things work that we're like, us as humans trying to make sense and wrap our heads around this shit for this podcast, <laughs> this highly, highly scientific podcast.
0: Mad scientific.
1: Oh man. My head's kind of spinning, but in like a really positive way. I just love that we can harness the abilities of these things that we chased as children to potentially combat tumors. I think that's really cool.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and the scientists are in the trenches doing the work, you know.
1: Well, as are the fireflies. Amen. God bless
0: them. All right, well, let's uh, take a break. (laughs) What do you say?
1: Let's do it. All right. It's tough being a mongoose.
0: You're not kidding. Everybody thinks you're a goose, but you're actually a cat.
1: That's right. And you like to fight snakes.
0: And snakes are vicious
1: but not as vicious as you are little mongoose because you fight the cobras and you win.
0: But as every Cobra champion knows, it's few fights that end without at least one bite.
1: Which is why we're excited to announce Bite Balm, the new healing ointment from brand Clubby.
0: Bite Balm is not an anti-venom, since we all know that your specialized acetylchloride receptors have the venom situation under control.
1: Bite Balm is instead just what it sounds like, a balm that heals bites faster and gentler than other remedies.
0: You can't even imagine where that dirty cobra has been, or what germs it carries on its fangs.
1: That's why Bite Balm has an antimicrobial agent.
0: Also, plenty of vitamin E and aloe to keep the skin young and fresh,
1: with our oil for the fur.
0: Get yours today. It's also great for scratches. Welcome to the Nadia Boulanger Inspiration Corner, where we read quotes by famed uh, teacher, music teacher, Nadia Boulanger.
1: The irony of Nadia Boulanger is that... As a French woman, she was instrumental in creating the American sound. And what does this have to do with animals? You might ask. We don't know.
0: It does have a lot to do with our lives, though, and it's something that we actually do know about.
1: Yeah. So why not sprinkle this in?
0: Yeah. She said some really nice words of wisdom that we think uh, all you walrus lovers might get into.
1: Yeah. Let's just 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 to contextualize her effect on American music real quick some famed students include Aaron Copeland Philip Glass Quincy motherfucking Jones
0: Quincy motherfucking Jones Uh,
1: okay so quotes roll them
0: false notes can be forgiven false music cannot
1: it is nothing to succeed if one has not taken great trouble and it is nothing to fail if one has done the best one could
0: Life is denied by lack of attention, whether it be cleaning windows or trying to write a masterpiece.
1: Loving a child doesn't mean giving in to all of his whims. To love him is to bring out the best in him, to teach him to love what is difficult.
0: Do nothing for effect. Do it for truth.
1: Great art likes chains. The greatest artists have created art within bounds, or else they have created their own chains.
0: Do not take up music unless you would rather die than not do so.
1: Without discipline, there can be no freedom.
0: One time Nadia was asked what it felt like to be the first female conductor of the Boston Symphony. And you know what she said? I've been a woman for a little more than 50 years, and I've gotten over my original astonishment.
1: Art is not emotion art is the medium in which emotion is expressed
0: Uh, that concludes the Nadia Boulanger inspiration corner
1: you're welcome So that concludes this week's meeting of the Animal Fan Club.
0: Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Follow us on Instagram at Animal Fan Club Pod.
1: Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod Pod at gmail.com.
0: We're both on Instagram, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno.
1: And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll
0: be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club.